Make sure to watch The Ringer's new live reaction show, Talk to Thrones. Each week, Andy Greenwald, Mother of Dragons Mallory Rubin, Chris Ryan, and our very own maester, Jason Concepcion, are coming to you live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7. Talk to Thrones will stream exclusively on Twitter and Periscope right after each episode ends and can be found on The Ringer's Twitter handle, at Ringer. They'll be reacting at the same time as you, contextualizing the events and explaining everything that just unfolded. Again, the show is called Talk to Thrones. You can stream it live after the East Coast airings of Game of Thrones Season 7 on our Twitter and Periscope, at Ringer. What's up, guys? It's your girl, WWE Superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE Superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm David Shoemaker here with, as always, Dave Schilling. Hey, bud. As always. Yeah. And special guest this week, the one, the only, Ryan Satin. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? It's so good to have you here. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's nice to uh, be at some... It's uh, special memories you for me. Can't say that out loud. Oh, we'll, have, oh, we'll, have, we'll have Mark's. We'll have Mark's knocking down the door. <laughs> yeah, I'm just no, kidding. No, geez, we got to bleep that out. <laughs> Oops, uh, sorry, my bad. No, it's totally There's, fine. It's bad enough someone has our address now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Shouts to my man uh, Daniel Lee who made the poster for and us. got it to us. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> um, I have. A, I, I'm just going to start off. We've been talking, but since I just did the, the introduction, I'm just going to do. I have, I have a question for you, Ryan. And this is the most like inside baseball or inside wrestling question ever. Uh, you have a website called ProWrestlingSheet.com. How do you? It's it seems to be a sort of curated pro wrestling news site, right? I mean, you you like, but what is what is? How do you decide what to cover and like to what degree you go in on it? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I try. I mean, because it's. I don't have a big staff like so, like the you know Wrestling Observer, a lot of the aggregate sites that put up everything. Like sure. I don't have that big of a staff. It's me. It's my senior news producer James McKenna, and it's you know a writer Ashley, um, and whoever you know my, a few other various people. But for the most part, I just try to cover. <clears throat> I try to look at it as not necessarily professional wrestling news, but news about professional wrestling. Sure. Like I try to have a little bit different of a, a view on it. So I try my best just to do what I think people are going to care about. Like I, wh- what people are talking about, uh, what people are interested in the t- at the time, something that like a, a compelling video that people might find interesting. So not necessarily like the rumor and conjecture that some of the other sites have maybe been based on in the past, yeah. which is kind of, I know wrestling fans love that kind of stuff, but me personally, I I, I just kind of like to look at facts because I get so like, I hate, I, I hated growing up looking at wrestling news and saying like, oh, I wonder if that's going to be true or like, uh, that'd be cool if that happens and stuff like that. So I really try to only do stuff that I can stand behind, like stuff that I know is factual. Uh, you know, so that's why I try to stick to like injuries and signings and uh, you know things that's more of like how you would see a regular sport being covered, sure. like a baseball or a basketball or something like that. I love the site because I can actually go back through a week and ones in one like night one download sort of. You know, yeah. 
he hit most of the high points. It gets like to the stuff, and it actually hits the stuff I'm interested in more than anything else. I mean, that most of the other, most of the sites out there, thank God they're exhaustive because when I start Googling for information, it's there. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I have nothing just, against those sites. You know, like I, I'm the same way. You know, I like they're out there. I mean, obviously, some of those rumors and conjecture that I see out there help me work on stories to find out if they're legit, if they're a rumor, yeah. if they're if there's any factualness to it. And so, I, I have nothing against those. But you know, always growing up, you know, when you'd go to a wrestling site, and it still happens a lot. And nothing against them, but me personally, it always frustrated me when I would go to a site and it would say, you know, like. Braun Strowman update, Charlotte picture, uh, and uh, ratings all in one headline, or, like right. all, you know, all in one or, thing together. Or like SmackDown superstar injured, and you click on <laughs> and it's just like it, you know, like one of the colognes stubbed their toe or something like that. <laughs> yes. I think it's important that uh, you're trying to innovate a, a a form that has been the same for years now. Like I still feel like the Observer and the Torch, God bless them for doing their their work, are still working on the business model and the and the aesthetic model from the Attitude Era. And it's like, who's doing the stuff that's going to take wrestling journalism to the next level? And I think you guys are doing that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Because that is one of the things that that always drove me crazy was just the aesthetic of it. Uh, you know, of like, you know, I always felt like if there was a story out there that I saw on one of those sites, I couldn't necessarily share it on my Facebook wall or on Twitter because it had so many other things in there and you have to like search for the actual thing that you find interesting in there. And so I was trying to give people a place where there's there's one story and you can all discuss this one story at a time and stuff. And, and look, I, when I first launched the site, uh, I obviously went a little hard on the free aspect of things because I was frustrated at the time, you know. But in the in the time that's passed, you know, it's been like two and a half years since I launched the site. Like I, I understand why people pay for news. Like I'm not against people paying for news and stuff. I just feel like growing up, like I, it always frustrated me when I didn't have money as a kid and I couldn't necessarily pay for the Observer or or Pro Wrestling Insider or something like that, uh, and I had to. Use WrestleZone or Raja WWF or whatever. Like I had to yeah. use all those sites to try and find the information, and it always frustrated me that it was stuck behind a paywall and that it was kind of like this little inside click of people that you like. You had to pay to be involved in, and that always frustrated me. But I get why people do it, and yeah. I'm not like against it at all. Well, it's funny that you should mention that because behind the paywall, um, the Dave Meltzer has report- reported, I think, just yesterday that the WWE Network subscription numbers are a huge disappointment. I think. Wait. Genuine disappointment, sorry. <laughs> and there are cutbacks to come. I think the implication is that it's talent cutbacks. Um, he said nobody, you know, I guess the, I guess the takeaway is that WWE is not in any financial trouble. But they, they promised the shareholders a lot a year ago, and they're not. And, like, the po- you know, the numbers are way down post-WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know. I mean, there's so there's a lot of information there, and it's not terribly shocking, you know, based on stuff that we all hear. Totally. Um I guess the thing that I keep coming back to is that they found, like, they it took them, you know, one month to find the hardcore audience with the WWE Network. Less than that. It took them 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Everybody signed on. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously the, the numbers go way up at WrestleMania time when they start handing out these three-month subscriptions. Like, you know, there's a, that's a way to get sort of peripheral fans. But I think that the people that they're getting with the free subscriptions are streamers. Like, they're not... Oh, yeah. Like, people cord who are... cutters. People who are aware that they're getting... Well, cord cutters, but also people that just aren't paying for it otherwise. Totally. Right? Um, people, Because if you're aware enough to know they're giving it away because you're watching Monday Night Raw, then, like, you've already made the, like, the, the decision to not subscribe to the network. Right. right. It's always blown my mind 
that they, they don't just run 30-second ads on Monday Night Football to get the people who were watching during the Attitude Era who have disposable mm-hmm. income falling out of their pocket. I mean, But that's a different place to spend your money than they're used to spending their money. They think that they can advertise, and historically that's what wrestling has done, is advertise on your free TV show. And back in the day, obviously, they paid for TV time yep. in the local markets. But now they get paid for it. So advertise on your show for the the value proposition, the the spend, the pay per view, the merchandise, the whatever it is, and they don't understand how important it is to break outside of the wrestling audience. The wrestling audience is as finite as it, it will ever be. Like this is it. Yeah. The 1.5 million, 1.6 million people who subscribe to WWE Network are, as you said, the hardest of the hardcore fans. Wow. They're talking about cutting back on network original network programming, which would be really sad because it feels like they only figured out what the hell they were doing within the past year. Yep. You know, I mean, just like some of the like the UK tournament stuff, especially 205 Live, no matter what you think about it, is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, you know, I'm biased, but bring it to the table, I think, is fucking great. And there's and, and I I really enjoy just like just having to- like completely different looks. Um for, you know, but with like Interesting way, interesting entry points to the current product because it, there is still with all the with all the like the the core programming. There's just a it's a it's an impenetrable wall for outsiders, but it just it's it's it just nuts to me that they don't program the network as much as they put on like like masturbatory and I don't mean that as an insult, but <laughs> masturbatory like attitude era nostalgia about 75% of the time. It's amazing that they're not more actively programming for people that haven't watched since the attitude era. You know, put up director's commentaries of big pay-per-views, put up like, hey, remember when, like like reliving the past in a more straightforward way and get those people because I mean, I said I just said it, but like the business model of Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime is to charge an amount of money that you forget that you're paying every month. It yes. doesn't matter if you watch. I mean, that's re- that's it's the auto renewal of subscriptions. Like that's the business model. And WWE shouldn't be targeting wrestling fans who are scraping money together to buy you know the new video game or some T-shirts or whatever. And and, and uh, you know I don't mean that to be derogatory. There's lots of information out there that the wrestling fan audience is not the most uh, affluent. But the but. To be targeting the the people who've walked away who really do have money nine ninety nine a month that they can pay and forget that they paid. Well, I think that's why to what you were saying before, it's weird when they're always advertising on only WWE programming because most of the people watching Monday Night Raw, if they're gonna have the network, are gonna have the network by now. Yes. And especially even when you get the free ones, like when you're watching on the network. They have the commercials for the network, and you're like, I'm already, I'm already here. Like, you don't yeah. need to give me a commercial for how much it costs to be here. I'm already here. So I, I completely agree. I think they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot by not doing some kind of commercial. Like everybody remembers the Super Bowl commercial that they did back in the day, and I'm sure it brought new eyes to WWE. I mean, obviously a Super Bowl commercial is tons of money, but they could do a commercial to get the WWE network out there to to more people. And I, and I'm surprised they don't do more shows to to highlight the athlete the, the the superstars who maybe aren't doing as much on the main roster right now you know uh like they're doing that our truth show like they, there was that rumored our truth show and now it's apparently been canceled with some of the other ones that were canceled and i feel like those are the kinds of things that will maybe bring more people to the network of just like fun 
TV shows that aren't necessarily wrestling that you have to come to the WWE Network to watch. So they do a commercial once a year, every year. It lasts for seven hours, and it's called WrestleMania. Yes. <laughs> That's their commercial every year. <laughs> well, they get the, pre, the free stuff at SummerSlam, you know, by the, the, the kind of rope line stuff at SummerSlam and WrestleMania, too. They get, you know, and there's obviously there's a lot more pop culture media acceptance of wrestling. I mean, you were in the trenches for a lot of that, Ryan. Oh, yeah. Um, but the but it's yeah it's it's still it's just not the same. But even I, with the pop culture stuff, like they don't do enough with that. Like the the fact that they go to the same well of celebrities to get that attention blows my mind. Like there are so many young hip wrestling fans that they don't utilize. You know, what the guys from Workaholics would kill to do a spot. Like yeah, there yeah. are there are people that are cool that would bring a different outside perspective, but instead they're you know. They're bringing Flo Rida in every time and, yeah. and Machine Gun Kelly and yeah. Pitbull. And no offense to those guys, but Hannibal, I would like to see someone else. Hannibal Burris, like auto-tuned singing about being a wrestling fan, is like the the biggest wrestling moment of the past month. And, you know, WWE doesn't know that it happened. If somebody challenges you watching wrestling, then ask them about shit that they enjoy. One thing the network has done really well. Yeah, or the sort of network only tournaments, the UK Championship, and let's—I'm not even going to like re- try to fathom the concept that they would cut back on those. They have the May Young Classic coming out. Did you guys watch? Like they had the—they had—they just released a video where they all introduced themselves. I'm staying away from it until it premieres. It was great. Well, that's part of. I don't think that's that's going to be like that's a separate thing. No, so I mean, you're safe yeah. on that. It's one. like a commercial, basically. Yeah, I, I watched it. It was cool. I liked it. It was more like. Ironically retro than Southpaw Regional Wrestling was because it was just it was all these girls like they like I cannot wait for this but it's like they they all came in with their existing indie gimmicks you know and it's all just sort of like yeah just sort of like bad hairstyles and just like bad <laughs> outfits and like it's just like it's it, it's but it's so wonderful there was I that, cannot wait and they forced some of them to have makeovers unnecessarily yeah. it felt like there was like, that rumor that there were people in the back agents and whatnot who thought they weren't hot enough for the WWE standard don't know if that's true but that was a rumor it's I mean like, yeah, just, they're not hot like does it like if if they if 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 it's not hot, I mean, if, if I don't even know how you gauge this, but if it if it happens and it turns out by some magical metric that they weren't hot enough, does that negatively impact? Like, how does that the, listen? No take your regular brain out and put your lizard brain in. <laughs> no, that report, realize, no that report frustrated me too because it was like it, when I read, it, I was like, what were they trying to say there? That's like that's such a shot. You would never say. Uh, there's there's thought that this guy didn't get signed because he's not hot enough. It's probably a weird thing to well, say. Well, you have these guys didn't get signed because they're too small, and now they have two hundred five live. But they're I mean, but never I, because they're not pretty enough. Oh no, I mean, I guess you see the reverse, which is like you know Finn Balor and John Cena. I mean, guys who are you know pretty traditionally attractive get do get the big pushes. But, yeah, true. Um, Although Finn Balor's been getting. A little bit reduced. Let's talk. I mean, unless you guys have any other hot May Young takes, uh, that's that sounded bad. Remember when she gave birth to the hand? Yeah. Yes. Is your is your is your hot take that that was your favorite that was WWE a cool segment? angle? Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of Finn Balor, let's just jump right into Monday Night Raw. Sure. Um, I have a couple of thoughts on Monday Night Raw. First of all, I forgot to tell you this at the top of the show, Schilling. Where we're just we're, your name is Dave from now on. We're dropping your last name. Oh, it's, oh you, yeah, you are just Dave. Of course, um, that's a normal thing to do. Easy when, enough. When you've already established someone's name, you then take some of their name away. <laughs> what I, the hell is that? Elias Sampson's who we're talking about. Obviously, if you don't know, he's no longer Elias Sampson. Now he's just Elias. I don't. I I feel like we had the same level. 
a, a similar level of outrage when Cesaro's first name was dropped, and I don't have any problem now with Cesaro. I mean, and Biggie Langston, and, and Neville. Biggie's a funny name, Neville. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's crazy that you can't just say we're calling him Cesaro or we're calling him Neville. But, like, the Chiron is going to acknowledge that he's not a one-named person. You know, like, you can put his other name on there, but the announcers only say the official name, you know, the, the, yeah, the short Yeah, but you know WWE is, and Vince McMahon are all about branding. you got to remind but, them every single time. It's but what this. is, I, 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 thought, I kind of imagine, always imagined that the take on Antonio Cesaro or, or uh, Adrian Neville was that they, you know, the names didn't quite sound manly enough. Or, like, I was trying, but, like... They, Elias Samson, they got rid of Samson. Yeah, Samson was the tough part of the name. Yeah. Like, I thought if they were going to keep one name, it would have just been Samson. I kind of like the like the one, I mean, he is a sort of, he, he's not the rock star of WWE, but he is a musician <laughs> in WWE. And yeah, I guess we the already one have a rock thinks, star. It's Shinsuke Nakamura. We'll get to that, that man later well, on. I, the Elias thing, though, I, from what I've been told, Vince is... Obsessed with the not obsessed, I guess that's the wrong word, but it's Vince who's it's it's a gender mahal like obsession where he has very much taken to this character, and yeah. it's, it's Vince who makes who's the one who's making all these decisions. And you notice when he first came, they got rid of the Drifter, yeah, uh, and they've slowly gotten rid of each part of him. But it's it's definitely Vince who is very much picking and choosing how to like make that character better. I think Vince really likes Elias Samson. I love Elias. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I I like him too. And I, I mean, I said before on the show that he re- he looks like a video game version of Macho Man Randy Savage. He does like yeah. bigger muscles and full hair. But that like he's, I, I I think I said this too. He's so compelling to me that I have no idea whether or not he's good. I mean, that means he's good in a wrestling way. But like, <laughs> if you ask me to like talk about his ring style or whatever, I'd just be like, I I enjoy watching his matches. That's all I have to say. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's. He's sort of he's a very compelling figure. For once, Vince and I agree. On Raw, well, let's just start with this because we're talking about it. Uh, Finn Balor uh, materialized in the ring during a Bray Wyatt promo. I'm confused at how he has magical powers when he's not in the demon costume. That's a logical I issue. Agree. I have. You know what? Even in kayfabe, watching that, I didn't. It didn't. I didn't see it as a magical thing. I saw it as like you can play head games. I'll just come out from under the ring. But like I, everyone else seems to think he, you know, if we're gonna believe that anybody can teleport, that was teleportation too. Right? I was with you on that one. It kind of felt like he just like slipped a fifty to the light guy and was able to mess with Bray Wyatt a little bit because that didn't feel full demony. He did do some demony teleport, right? As de- didn't he like teleport around the entrance ramp at some point during one of his entrances? Potentially. Um, some so, strobe effect of some sort. Anyway, it could have evolved. I think um, King could have evolved a little bit. <laughs> I think it's going to be a good match. I do. Uh, I'm interested in this. I'm I'm definitely interested in it. Um, I've only gotten like I am the biggest Bray Wyatt supporter around, but I'm you know I've been down on him the past few months. I think, right? I think JoJo is the biggest Bray Wyatt supporter around. <laughs> Oh. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you, though. I've always been a huge Bray Wyatt fan, and it wasn't until this Monday Night Raw where I finally said to myself, I'm just not feeling these promos anymore. It just kind of feels like I've it, nothing's really changed about him. It's been the same thing, and it hasn't really been anything that compelling from him in a while. Uh, so I was the same way. I, you know, I love Bray Wyatt. I think it's a great character, but lately I, I'm just watching the promo just feel like, it didn't have the same pizzazz that it used to, you know? I think when he first debuted, there was an implication that he had a plan. That he's coming in, there's going to be this long-term story about Bray Wyatt is going to infiltrate the WWE and do all these dark things. And then you realize he was just a wrestler. And he, there's no, there was no yeah. long-term storytelling to be had. And so his outfit changes. You know, he's gone from uh, 
Max Cady or Waylon Mercy to the lead singer of Drowning Pool. Um, <laughs> and in between, there have been various I changes. Go, I was thinking more Mad Max, but go, that's Drowning Pool is fine. Yeah, I don't no, know he does have that new metal vibe. He does. He looks like he was in some sort of like saliva. He's got the corn hair, the Jonathan Davis corn exactly. hair. Every That's true. Everybody in everybody in WWE at this point is wearing like stretchy leather. Yeah, <laughs> like seventy five percent of. The, I mean, I don't mind it, but it's like they're all. It's like it's like it's like an X Men movie or a com- X Men comic where they often wear the same outfit but in different shapes. Sort of, you <laughs> and know, it's all, they're all still black. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's like if you watched Lost or Battlestar Galactica or whatever, and they kept telling you something cool is going to happen, yes. and we're going to show you like this great reveal at the end. And then it's just a popcorn fart. Yeah, I mean, what they, that would be a great. They, WWE should just hire, you know, a freelance writer to come in and and actually get, just do lots of hallucinogen and 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 uh, like make sense of the Bray Wyatt <laughs> career no. and weave it into one WrestleMania angle. Oh, no. Like it all made sense. It was all for a purpose. <laughs> I lost all those matches <laughs> to get me here. He's just been in purgatory this whole time. I'm excited about this feud, too. I think it's a good pairing, and hopefully it'll give them both an opportunity to shine, um, even though it does feel like they both just came. I mean, it doesn't feel like they both came off holding pattern feuds, and it's that, that makes it a little bit less significant feeling. And he's kind of feuding with Elias while feuding with Bray Wyatt, which makes it feel a little less significant too. Like you're not sure who he's in a feud with we, right now. Yeah, I was actually talking, this is roundabout, but I was talking with uh, Ringer Editor-in-Chief Sean Fennessy about Glow, which we need to just do a whole episode do, on yeah. at some point, but the, um, it's a really great show in a lot of ways. It's I don't know how much of a wrestling show it is, but it's a really great show. Um, but one of the complaints about it is that like it's hard to root for the protagonists, and the point is that they're not really protagonists. There's definitely kind of a wrestling thing going on in that decision-making process, but the hardest thing as a viewer, and this is how it relates back to regular wrestling, is that like your expectations affect the way that you view so much. And um, and this is just one a really small thing, but like until we establish beyond a shadow of a doubt that Elias is not joining the Wyatt family, I'm just going to assume <laughs> on some level that he's joining the Wyatt family. And that makes it hard. It makes it hard to really like fully invest in the scene that's going on right in front of my eyes. I mean, you just know he's not because that's not Bray Wyatt's kind of music. Uh, yeah, we just established that he's a new metal what, fan. That's a good point. What, yeah, that's, that's dude is in Chevelle. We're, we're not. Gonna, I don't really have any need to do a whole conversation about Big Cast. But what do you, speaking of music, what do we, what do we think about the new tune? V two. Still bad. It's, yeah, it's still, it's not still great. generic. The problem that they have run into with big cast is a problem they run into a lot of times when they break up tag teams is we're going to break them up and we're going to give one guy the personality and the characteristics and the music of the successful tag team and then the other guy we're just going to be like we'll figure it out i don't know and big cast big cast has been propped up personality wise by enzo his entire career and that's not a knock on him. That's just the truth. I mean, I think he would probably even admit, like, you know, I, I was not the best promo when I premiered. So you take that away, you give that guy all the good stuff, and you leave him just as a big guy. And I'm sure in someone's head that's enough, but it's not. I just can't get – I just don't know how that guy walks into the performance center and someone's like, let's call him Colin Cassidy. <laughs> I mean, Big Cass, I guess, is fine, but, like, what a weird, I don't know. Yeah, no, that new music was rough. I mean, the first one was real bad, and at least this one's, like, 
it's it's a, an improvement, but it's pretty bad. And, and to your point, I think Jason Jordan is stuck in the same situation. Yeah. You know, you, I was listening to your show, your guys' show last week where you said Jason Jordan needed new music, and then they brought out his new Ooh. music this week, and, and it was rough. It, it was is. like a MIDI, like a whatever you would call it, I had, version of are the they other cut, one. Did they not hire CFO to do the music? Is yeah. that is that another cutback? I, think they, I don't think so. I, I, I have no idea if they're doing it or not, if they're doing every single thing, but certainly they don't have you know the time to, to deeply consider consider what Cass's music should sound like and right. and you know when the, when they have such quick turnarounds if they want to get Cass over as a heel they should just he should just cut a promo saying that he handpicked his song like this is really what he <laughs> wanted like I love this music so much I Jeez. think on a podcast, I think on like Stone Cold's podcast, he had said he had kind of a weird taste in music too, if I recall. And he listens to the country and like other less, like more deep cut kind of stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me if he did pick that music. Hey, uh, back to Jason Jordan. Um, I thought it was a, I, a lot of mixed opinions about that promo. I was, I was into it. Uh, my expectations for him were relatively low, uh, but I, I've been enjoying what's going on. I think if you watch him. If you if you view him as a heel, then he's actually doing a really good job. Right? Does does that make? Is he sense? supposed to be a heel right now? I, I don't know. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Miz certainly alluded to the fact that people were booing him. Uh, so if that was foreshadowing for an eventual turn, that's great. That's exactly the kind of forward thinking they need to be doing. If that's not the case, and this is actually an attempt to get him over his babyface, it's not going to work. For yeah, but don't you think WWE has to be a little pissed if they're already booing him? Like, if they want to turn him down the line, and this is supposed to be his babyface moment to where that's a uh, a big moment for him, it's going to kind of put a damper on all that a little bit. A little bit, yeah. I mean, this seems like Miz's spot these days is find a guy who's got not a whole lot to do, that's kind of green, that doesn't really have a personality, and work a, a feud with him because they did this with Darren Young last year. They did this with Apollo Cruz at SummerSlam, I think. That was the IC title match. And now Jason Jordan, Miz is so good that he can you know help you along the uh, along the way. But he's such a big personality that I fear that Jason Jordan's going to get lost in this feud. Miz is like the first boss in a video game. He's not the final boss. He's like the first one that's like kind of difficult that you yeah, have to so, face. He's so great, though. I mean, I, like it's, Oh, he's great. Oh, absolutely. But he, I like they give him... It's like, oh, well, we're thinking about pushing this guy, so let's give him Miz first. If he can do good with Miz, because Miz yeah. can do good with anyone, then then we'll trust him a little more. Totally true. For all the... For all the the ringer completists, the ringer, the ringer basketball fans out there. I I just got totally sidetracked by the fact that that Jason Jordan and Jonathan Charks, our basketball writer and podcaster, sound exactly the same. How have you felt these past few weeks? Well, as you could imagine, it's been emotional. But... And how does it feel that these people, some of them, have been booing you? Against maybe your towns or MB to be a problem, but it gives you that option against smaller teams. <laughs> they have, they right. have the same voice. Anyways, that we'll see. We'll see where that goes. The big thing, the big hit from Raw, um, obviously, is um, is the main event. And I guess this we, the segue here is like speaking of guys, we don't know if their faces or heels. Um, we have, I mean, the main event for the SummerSlam main event. Um, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman made a surprise appearance, uh, which is always nice. It's always interesting to me. I like. I really want to read somebody write a nice investigative journalism piece about what the hell Brock Lesnar's contract with WWE says about these like weird fleeting appearances. Well, I mean, I know, I don't know exactly what that says, but from what everything I've been told, even though they 
put this stipulation out there that you know if he loses, he's going to leave WWE. Uh, from everything I've been told, he's hanging around till WrestleMania. Like he, his contract expires after WrestleMania, uh, and he's already informed WWE that he doesn't plan to resign. So. From everything I've been told, it looks like they're going to continue the Brock train until WrestleMania. So that way, when he does leave and does have his final swan song, it's obviously to put someone over, hopefully. All right. I want to get to John Jones, Brock Lesnar. But before we get there, let's take a quick break. Today's show is brought to you by Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Tune in as professional prognosticator and antagonist Cousin Sal breaks down the world of sports gambling. From NFL games to competitive eating contests, Sal offers up his best bets and odds analysis while joined by celebrities, Vegas experts, and his degenerate trifecta of close friends. So subscribe to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, available on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So the big, you know, the wrestling news of the week, Hannibal Burris uh, aside, was that um, <laughs> w- was that John Jones uh, won the UFC light heavyweight championship in his uh, in in his return from numerous layoffs, uh, beat Daniel Cormier <laughs> with a really disturbing um, concussive leg kick, and uh, and immediately uh, called out Brock Lesnar in the aftermath. Brock Lesnar, if you want to know what it feels like to get your ass kicked by a guy who weighs forty pounds less than you. Meet me in the octagon. I know that UFC actually, I mean, this is a, it's a real thing. Like the UFC wants this fight to happen, or at least, you know, the, the owners do. Um, but, but they're keeping but it under wraps, it's crazy. Though. They're definitely keeping it under wraps because, you know, I had reported uh, right around, the, I'm trying to remember what it was, I think it was like two weeks ago, I want to say, or maybe last week, but uh, when Brock Lesnar was re-entering the, the testing pool for, for yes. UFC, and uh, I basically, you know, we put out a report about it saying that it was because he wants to have his options open for after WrestleMania when his contract expires, and because of the suspension he had dealt with prior to quote-unquote retiring, uh, he has to go in at a certain time and then continue on with the suspension. He has to finish out that suspension right. first before he's able to do the fight. And and because it's not public record if someone's re-entry in the pool or not, right. uh, UFC has been a little bit coy about it. I know that initially UFC, one of the officials put out a statement saying that Brock was not entering the pool. And then he was like, I don't have any knowledge of Brock entering the pool. Um, but then after John Jones called out Brock uh, during the press conference, they asked Dana White the same question, and he was like, you know what, to be honest, I don't really know if Brock's entered into the pool yet. And, like, you're telling me that if John no. Jones is calling out Brock Lesnar in the main event, that it didn't go through some kind of channels. First, of course he knows if Brock's Dana, back yeah. Dana White, the Dana White saying no about something is the surest signal that the answer is yes. <laughs> but, the, but I did think it was smart of them to add that stipulation, because obviously, you know, the three of us were reading news online all the time, yeah. but a majority of the audience that watches WWE is not on every single wrestling site, reading every single piece of news, reading my site. And so... Most of them saw what happened with John Jones and mm-hmm. then saw the follow-up with Monday Night Raw, and they think, like, holy crap, Brock might leave. And I think that does bring more eyes. I thought it was very smart. Like, a lot of people said, oh, that's stupid because it. we know Brock's staying to WrestleMania, so now we know he's going to win at the pay-per-view. And to me, I don't think that's necessarily true. I mean, it's, it's we all know wrestling is is predetermined, yeah. so it doesn't ruin that and for me at all. it's also probably baked in to his deal that after SummerSlam, he's disappearing for a while anyway. 
Well, if he, I mean that that's that was my first reaction that like if he gets you know he basically gets two months off after every match anyway, and if you kind of like push that to three or four months, and that's the that's actually the amount of time that like a loser leaves town match stipulate like fallout usually. I mean that's that's how long you leave you leave town for. It doesn't take much in the pro wrestling world, as everybody listening to this knows. Like if Brock quits, then all it takes is. Vince coming on stage and saying, I've got an opponent for you, and he's back. You know, it's yeah, not yeah. that big of a deal. I just thought it was going to be a slightly longer vacation for him. But if if he's, I mean, if he's really working more or less straight through to WrestleMania, and then that's going to be it, then, uh, I mean, it doesn't I, really make sense to do it at SummerSlam then. Because yeah. then it's like, if he's really leaving after WrestleMania, why would you do it here? You know, you well, can get a few more title matches out of it, and then, obviously... You know, the rumor is that he's going to wrestle Roman Reigns right. at WrestleMania, you know, so they're not going to do the passing of the torch, you know, or Roman finally conquering the beast at SummerSlam in a four way. They're going to save that for, for WrestleMania, you think? So is that the plan and not Cena and Reigns at WrestleMania? For I, your, I, I've your heard Cena and Reigns, too. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that Reigns, I mean, Reigns Lesnar is sort of the new uh Undertaker versus Cena. Uh, yeah. That I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say rock, rock versus Brock, where it's oh, like yeah. we start off on the day after WrestleMania with that written on the dry erase board, and then we just <laughs> see how the re- see how it goes from there. No, I think because of what I've heard with Brock and how his he's already told WWE that he plans to leave. Uh, and it would only make sense to me, you know, because I've also heard both of those rumors. Yeah, it would only make sense to me that at this WrestleMania they do, uh, you know, the, the two guys who beat. Undertaker at WrestleMania. You do Brock versus Roman Reigns to find out who the actual big dog is. And then I'm guessing, this is just me guessing here, but Roman beats Undertaker. I'm sorry, Roman beats Brock. Yeah. And everyone's angry, but Roman is now the big dog. You know? I think that's a fair guess. I would probably Oof. put money on that. <laughs> um, I know, it's not a fun thing to look forward to. No. I know. <laughs> it is just kind of interesting to, to try to wrap your mind. I mean, it makes a certain sort of sense. Like Roman Reigns, like, It'll be the it'll be the end of the arc that kind of started last year at WrestleMania with and everything else you can just sort of blur you know skip over. Yep. Um, but for all those fans that only watched during the, during the three free weeks of the WWE Network, <laughs> um, it'll make a whole lot of sense for them. That's the problem with WWE Network and with WWE in general is you do not have to pay attention until January. Yeah. Um, true. They have all these pay per views. They have two a month, and most of so, them are skippable. So it was kind of interesting that we had we had Brock on the show last night, but not not involved in the the actual fighting of the for I mean for the I mean the other three guys had a triple threat match, which was giving away a lot. I mean, and I don't have any problem with it, but that was a bold move. Also, in the middle of the show, it was they didn't even put it in the main event. But yeah. For all, I mean, and, and separately, you know, that's fine. Mix things up, give us the good matches, whatever. Um, but. I don't know. I mean, it was it was a uh, it was like I said a sort of weird weird use of Lesnar. I guess my question is: we have a kind of loser leaves town, a self imposed loser leaves town stipulation. Um, we've got three other guys involved in the match. It's I mean, separate. Take away the fact that Brock was was there in the opening segment last night. You have to do multi party matches, or the multi party matches are the best way to book Brock Lesnar, so that you can actually have a match on the show. But you can have people have a physical confrontation during the weeks that Brock's not there, right? right? I mean, it sort of matters. They're all kind of you know leapfrogging to try to see who's who's uh, who's the top dog. What, what do you what, what, what do you think the power rankings are right now of the four guys in the main event <laughs> oh, at SummerSlam? Boy. It's got to be Brock, 
Braun, Roman, Joe. Right? That's got to be... I would put Joe over Braun right now, just because he's been cutting such great promos. Braun has been sort of sidelined in some way, uh, despite the fact that he had that beatdown, what, two weeks ago or whenever it was, Mm -hmm. where he beat down everybody. I think people are kind of not seeing him as the guy who's going to win the match. Well, but also I just feel like he's... This is kind. Of, this is his first title match, right? This is his first title match, yeah. yeah. And and I just feel like I, I, the only reason I put him above the other two is because they're still the other two have had title matches and stuff. Now Joe just lost his title match, so I feel like Braun at least feels like he's got a chance as like maybe they're gonna switch things up because I feel like there's no way they're gonna switch the title to one of the other. I don't feel like they're gonna switch title at all. But if they're gonna switch to one, yeah. Braun, I feel like would be the most compelling here's, right now. Here's the problem. Here, I think here's the problem with the way that I'm internalizing this, and we got to move to SmackDown because Jim is <laughs> waving his middle fingers at us right now. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I know. We'll do. We'll do better. The um, but is that to me? Braun is filling the role. Like if if Braun weren't in the match at SummerSlam, Braun would still be in the spot he is now to sort of fill the Brock Lesnar role in the in the lead up to SummerSlam. And so I, it just it feels like he's a sort of stand-in, even though he's actually a competitor in the match. It's a good point. Um, big guy, whatever. Uh, we got to talk <laughs> about SmackDown before um, we have a new number one contender. Yeah. For the very, I guess uh, most people would agree the most prestigious title in all of uh, WWE, the, the United States the, Championship. No. Jinder yeah. <laughs> um, Mahal's WWE Championship. Yeah. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, it's very fitting that as the G one is going on. Nakamura legit suplex John Cena onto the top of his head. Brutal. And uh and I mean what a crazy sequence. It was it was nuts that it happened and then it didn't seem like there was I mean clearly in the ring they were like holy shit is everything okay but the production team was just like let's get like get cue up those replays like we're <laughs> oh, going <yeah. laughs> um, to like, like so many and they got slower and slower yeah. with each one too Kevin Dunn has a hot poker and he's like another, it's give me another. I guess to me it's just I mean I don't I'm not I'm not going to be a puritan about this it was a little bit weird just because like that's the sort of injury that like you might find out only find out it's an injury a month later or well, something just like you know how like, people were mad at the UFC fight when they interviewed Cormier right after getting the crap kicked out of his face and he was crying and people were making a meme out of it. He might be have dealt with he'd been dealing with a concussion or something like, like Luke, that. Luke Keekley did the same thing when he the Panthers player when he got concussed. He just cried in the post-game interview because yeah. it's just like that's a that's a symptom. Yeah. Like he was yeah. he's seriously addled. I mean, whatever. But I'm actually more surprised that he just won clean, regardless of how intense that brutal suplex was. I'm shocked that Nakamura just won clean like that. Like I I really wasn't expecting that. John Cena is their guy, you know, to put that's a that's a huge thing. That's like when he put Daniel Bryan over at SummerSlam sure. to me. You know, but it's he did it on an episode that. of SmackDown. That, that, that was that, crazy. So, so kudos. I mean, that's some that's some gutsy booking by WWE, whoever's writing SmackDown right now, because to to bring Cena back, um, to give him just the most super Cena push possible, to have him come out last week and cut that promo on gender that's just like all right, here we go. Like, we know what's happening here. This is Cena versus Gender for all the American flags in the world. <laughs> and 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 then to totally, like, pull the rug out from under. Now, they booked a... They, correct me if I'm wrong. They, they filmed a post-SmackDown segment where Baron Corbin came out and beat up Attack Nakamura with the briefcase and Cena made the save. Yes. So a lot of people are assuming we're going to have Cena Corbin at SummerSlam. Yeah. Correct. What I've been hearing is Cena Corbin and then Cena goes to Raw... And starts whatever it is he's going to do on Raw. 
Well, from what everything I've been told, it's it, the reason they did the free agent thing is so that they can use him wherever he needs to get plugged in because of the movie stuff that he's doing. Yeah. Sure. Uh, because he's got certain dates and schedules and things like that. Um, they don't know necessarily which pay-per-views he's going to be available. And so if they call him a free agent, they can plug him in on Raw when need be, if he's going to be available for a few weeks or plug him into SmackDown. So uh, I believe there are plans to do stuff with him on Raw in the near future yeah. once it's done. Can't they just pre-record him, just get the cameras out and record him doing the F5 on Braun Strowman three times and just, <laughs> just play that whenever it's necessary? <laughs> I mean, that's where this is going, right? Like any, any appearance on Raw will end that way. I'm interested to see... How they deal with the gender character now that he's not facing someone who's, you know, Mr. America, you know, who's not a Randy Orton or John Cena where he can't say, you know, you're only booing for me because I'm uh, a different race or I speak a different language because Nakamura is the same thing and everyone cheers for him. So I'm interested to see. Uh, the dynamic of his character and how it changes a little bit. I think this is a test for both guys. It's a test for gender if he can do what you said and actually be a, a just a regular heel. And it's a test for I, Shinsuke if he can draw money on top. I think it's yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think my my overriding fear is that neither of those guys are are you know top tier stars, and they're going to use that as an excuse to put it on to like open SummerSlam, and then they're going to use the fact that it opened SummerSlam and didn't get a huge crowd pop because it's the opening match to like you know. To like say that feud was a failure or something like that, you know, well, like it's it, it's there's a self fulfilling prophecy that goes on sometimes. With oh, things. I couldn't agree more. They love doing that kind of thing. But this is probably the best possible crowd to do that match yeah. in because it's Brooklyn, it's NXT territory. People are going to be behind him. I think it's going to turn out okay. But to your point, they love trying to screw over their own talent, and it, you know. I think if we were going to watch a pay-per-view and it's the first uh, first main event match between Nakamura and Jinder, people might look at it as, is that really worthy of main event in a pay-per-view that people have to pay money for? Sure. So it makes sense to kind of do the first one of these guys on SummerSlam, and if they're able to prove that they can put on a good match, then maybe we'll be a little more... Oh, okay, I'll accept that as a main event it's down the a, it's line. It's also interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. That's the way wrestling works. I guess there's nothing exciting to say, but... That, but it's this would be a really weird match for Nakamura to lose. It makes more sense for Cena for it would have made more sense for Cena or like Orton just did to lie down for for Jinder Mahal than Nakamura who's like on the upward trajectory and still trying to like establish himself. Um, Orton, by the way, is now feuding um, with you know snap of the fingers with Rusev, and I'm <laughs> I'm totally into this. Um, Rusev is the uh, the new Miz on SmackDown. Is there yeah? Is there <laughs> is there anything else that we need to touch on before we get out of here because we do have to get out of no. here? No. Bailey injured her shoulder. Go yeah, back and bummer. watch that YouTube video or don't. But like it's like Nia Jax like threw her outside the ring and Bailey just like face or shoulder planted on the way out and it Nia looked Jax. really bad. Oh, I didn't even see that one. I saw one. God, it must have been twice in that because I saw another gif from that match where she has her up for that like Beth Phoenix like move that she did yeah. in the match. And when she threw her down, she landed right on her shoulder like super hard. Uh, it might have mm-hmm. been a double up. So, yeah, I, I, was, was I convinced myself it was the it was it, by, in the rewatch that it was the, the move outside the ring. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm running through my notes real quick here. Oh, uh, big Kevin Owens news. He's a, congratulations on him for growing six inches because he's much closer to Shane's height backstage this week than he was last <laughs> week. Um, 
but I'm, that's that's another one that I think that I'm much happier to see Shane as a uh, as a special guest referee than as a potential competitor in that match. Me too. And let him do a Van Terminator as a, in a referee shirt. I'm totally down. I think we're still going to see something down the line with Shane and Kevin Owens. Yeah, yeah and that and that'll be fine. Um, but I agree. For SummerSlam, it, it makes more sense this way. I, I I totally I think that's it. Do we have before we get out of here? Closing closing segment. Who do we think is attacking Brizongo? Dolph Ziggler. I heard you say that last week, and yeah. honestly, I hadn't thought about it until you said that. And I was like, hmm, that's a not, good suggestion. Who's not on TV right now? The only thing I could think of, and I, this is just me guessing, is we haven't seen Luke Harper and Eric Rowan either in a few weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've been gone. They've been gone mysteriously. We ha- we don't know. And obviously, they were kind of not tagging together recently, but they, they've been gone. And they're another one who just been mysteriously absent. So my guess is that it's maybe them. That's my guess. But honestly, I don't think they even know yet. I think they're just rolling with this (laughs) and getting as many of these fashion segments as possible. You're probably right. Who do you think it's going to be? Um, I was thinking earlier it should just be Bray Wyatt. Just have him, just whatever. <laughs> just have him teleport in and just be like, I, I'm, I have nothing to do on Tuesdays. You guys don't like dreads and torn jeans? Well, fine. I'm going to show you what fashion's all about. But I, I guess I guess Harper and and, and uh, Rowan can f- fit that same bill pretty well. I don't I don't know if they can teleport, but they can definitely beat people up. Um, I had heard that it was initially going to be American Alpha before yeah, they made too. the decision yeah. to do this Kurt Angle. Uh, storyline, you know, kid storyline yeah. that it was that it was gonna be because they were also off TV for a little bit at the time. So, um, I, man, that uh, he has to be a heel. We, we, I mean, if he's not a heel, then I just can't. Jason Jordan, I'm holding you to this. All right, <laughs> it's it's the only way that it works. They should bring back Hornswoggle <laughs> and ha- and just just to like ape off all of the Game of Thrones hype right now. Have a WWE's own Battle of the Bastards between Hornswoggle and Jason Jordan. <laughs> and then send him to 205 Live when the feud's over. There we go. Did all you guys right. see it? Oh, that was good. Okay, go ahead. Well, I, that's it. We got to get out of here. Ryan Satin, <laughs> thank you so much for coming by. Do you, you want to plug on the way out the door? Uh, yeah, no, you can check out my website, prowrestlingsheet.com. We talked about it before. It's free, exclusive reports and fact check news. Uh, you can check, find me on Twitter, at Ryan Satin. My website is at Wrestling Sheet. And you can find my show. It's the Sheet Podcast, available every Friday on iTunes. And it's live on Dash Radio every Thursday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Look at that. A man who knows how to. Professional. A man who knows how to do his own plugs. <laughs> Huge. Um, Schilling, do you have anything you want to plug? Just this show. <laughs> well, then I don't have to say anything. Exactly. But you do have to apologize to someone. Uh, first, I have to say that we're part of the Ringer Podcast Network. There you go. And secondly, I have to say apologies to Dean Ambrose. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on the Mass Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 